Hey friends, this is John Gunter with the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. This week you're listening to another sermon in our series on the Holy Spirit. We're in the second week of our uh, Spirit and Messiah as we look at uh, really the beginning of Jesus' ministry and go into his temptation right after his baptism. So I think there's a lot of, of kind of neat things to learn here and uh, just looking forward to, uh, to finishing up this series and I, I hope you'll continue to the end. We only have a few more weeks, so uh, keep listening and if we can do anything for you, let us know. Thanks. will be about the Holy Spirit and so as we've come into the New Testament, uh, we're going to cover some, uh, some fun things there. Uh, and uh, one Sunday, I believe it's August or August 27th, I think. Somebody make sure that's even a Sunday. Just came out of my brain. Uh, we'll use that as kind of a vision uh, Sunday to talk about uh, talk about our church and uh, kind of uh, going forward and how that what that looks like. And so, uh, really excited to uh, to talk about all these things. So, I uh, hope you've uh, enjoyed the the series. I know it's a a longer series probably than you even expected. Uh, uh, again, I've had a lot of people say, well, this wasn't what I expected, but nobody has said what they have expected. So uh, I guess our expectations are, are what they are. Last week, we finished with a scripture uh, very important uh, to us uh, from Luke 3, starting in verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli. And of course, kind of implied there is, well, we thought we knew who his daddy was. But Jesus turned out to be much more than that, did he not? And we praise God for that. But right after this this instance, right after this baptism, how many of you remember the day of your baptism? Was it a pleasant experience? I can still remember going home. We had a 1986 Chevy Suburban. And I remember pulling back into the driveway after I had been baptized and it was almost like this inner talk, this inner thought, okay, John, now you got to live it. That's, that's the, I, remember the, I remember the thought. I was so giddy, and I wanted to share it with everybody, and I thought, okay, I have pledged to do this. Now I am going to do it. But what I do when I uh, talk to people, especially as they're about to uh, be baptized or, you know, to pledge allegiance in a, in a sense to God that this is my life is going to be about God now, is I really bring a warning. Because how many of you have experienced the time I'm closest to God is right when Satan wants to try and get me? The the time I'm trying to draw close to God, God, I want you more in my life. I want to have this relationship with you. That's the time Satan wants to show up and derail all of that. Something's going to happen. It's Murphy's Law. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And then it's like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? And that's not unique to us. That's exactly what happens in the life of Jesus. Because as soon as all of this happens, he comes out of the water. He uh, has the Holy Spirit rest on him. Uh, Luke tells us this in Luke 4. Jesus, 
full of the Holy Spirit, as we just saw, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will, be, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, catch this, he left him until an opportune time. My goodness, that's some foreshadowing, isn't it? Uh, you can see that play out in a movie uh, right now. But what I want you to know is in this time of Jesus, faithfulness to God was not just something you claim. Uh, faithfulness to God was proven in the midst of some kind of, you know, going through a trial in your life, some kind of uh, thing that you've got to get through. And that's exactly what we see with Jesus. Okay, I, I'm being baptized, and we think as an example for us, right? He didn't have any sins to be cleansed of, but uh, probably as an example and, and just saying, I am aligning myself with God's will. My life is for God. And so he says that, but you ever notice that we can be full of talk sometimes? When the rubber meets the road, what do we do? Mike Tyson has a, a, a famous quote now, everyone has a plan until they get what? Punched in the mouth, until something happens. That's what we see with Jesus. Okay, I'm aligning myself with, with God, and immediately he is, taken, he is taken into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And notice that Satan comes at him at the most opportune time, not for Jesus, but for Satan. And so what we see is Jesus is led out there, and he is fasting for 40 days. I don't know what kind of condition I would be in at 40 days in, uh, but I probably wouldn't want you guys talking to me at that point. And that's when Satan comes to talk. That's when Satan tries to get Jesus when he's weak, tired, and hungry. He really tries to thwart God's plan before it really takes off. But as I've thought about this story over the years, I've always thought about it as Jesus versus Satan. You thought about it that way? But the more I've studied it, and as I've studied it this week, I think Jesus is not alone. Scripture just told us that. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the desert. And so I think as we read this account Jesus is not standing there, my will against Satan. Jesus is standing there with the power of God's Spirit with him. And that's what he chooses in the moment, not to do what Satan wants, but to follow the will of God. What I want to point out is something very interesting uh, that's happening right here in these verses. You remember we talked about the expectation of the time 
was for God to, to show up and do something big. Again, they were under Roman rule, and they're like, yeah, we're back from captivity, but we're, we're still not even in power. We want God to show up, and their expectation was that God was going to restore Israel. He was going to make things right that were not going, uh, that were going wrong in the moment. But look at this. I've, I've titled this, Does This Sound Familiar? Because it will if it didn't already. Number one, you ever heard of a divine leading into the wilderness in Scripture? You heard of that before? Okay, number two, what about 40? 40 days, 40 years. Number three, Israel as God's son, God's son now in the wilderness. What about the testing of Jesus or the testing of Israel? And number five, Israel rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. This should bring up the, the idea of the exodus. The Israelites wandering around in the desert, and like we've talked with all the anointing of the Holy Spirit, though God anointed people with his Spirit, it doesn't mean that they did everything perfectly. And so what God is doing in Jesus is showing you, showing all of us, this is the right way to do it. This is the right way to live. And he does so in a way that points them all back to the exodus, which is so important, that God in this moment leads them out of captivity and leads them to a land that he has promised. And what we see here is that God is faithful and notice, uh, even the, uh, the tests are similar. The, the tests that are given to Jesus uh, by Satan, he says uh, here in Deuteronomy 8, 3, notice this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Calling back to Deuteronomy 8, 3. Uh, from Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is how many? One. Worship him, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Maybe we ought to have this scripture on our mind when we've got road rage. What do you think? When someone's in the passing lane going 55 and a 75, um, we don't walk along the road as much. But God is one. Think about him. Talk about him to your friends, your family, your kids. Take it with you wherever you go. One and only God. And, and finally, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you, as you did at Massa. Do you see how through this testing, we are hearkening back to other things that have happened in Scripture. Again, going from, you did it imperfectly here, but Jesus will show you the way. I want you to notice that Satan in this moment, as he is tempting Jesus, did not deny that Jesus was the Son of God, but he does try to get him to think about himself. Do you notice that in the temptations? Why don't you think about yourself in this? Because let's think about that for just a second. What can Satan do 
if he gets Jesus to only think about himself. If I am just thinking about myself, if I'm only thinking about how hungry I am, how much am I thinking about you and what you need? How much am I thinking about what God wants or God desires for my life? Because if I'm thinking about myself, that's all that matters. You ever been there? Yeah. We're all pretty good at that. If we come in one Sunday and we said, we're going to work on thinking about ourselves, we'd all be experts walking out of here, wouldn't we? But that's what Satan tries to do. You are hungry. Why don't you have some food? Uh, maybe we can tap into Jesus' ambition. Do you really want what God wants? Because I've been given all the authority here to hand all of these things over to you. How ambitious are you? That almost sounds American, doesn't it? Why don't you go out and, and get as much as you can, pursue all of these other things? And that's what Satan offers to Jesus. And he says, no, thank you. And then finally, testing God. This idea Satan throws out that, that God will save you if you do this. But Jesus says, there's no need to test God. There's, there's kind of this idea that, that my faith will fall apart if God doesn't save me from every single thing that happens. We might not think about that again until something bad happens in our lives, and then we're, well, God, why didn't you stop that? Why didn't you step in? But faith in God means I am faithful to God. I have faith in God through all of these things, through all the trials, all the hardships. God does not need to save me from everything for me to believe in him, for me to trust in him and who he is. Because last week, as we talked about, God shows Ezekiel dry bones. You know what dry bones mean? Dry bones means they weren't there yesterday as a human being just about to go. I wish y'all had been here in class. We had a great discussion on this. This is not somebody that's just fallen over and well, maybe they're passed out. This is skeleton stuff. This is Halloween skeleton in the corner trying to scare people stuff. And God shows, even at this point, he has the power and ability to breathe life back into those dry bones. And that brings some kind of courage to me to think about the way God has me, no matter what happens, no matter who might take my life, no matter how I might go, God has me. And that's what Jesus knew when Jesus left the wilderness, he returned in this way in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the what? Baptism, he received the Holy Spirit. It says he left in the Spirit, and he returns in the Spirit. You think the Spirit was important to Jesus' ministry? Say yes. Absolutely. That he walked, and I said this a few weeks ago, as Jesus went around doing ministry, everything that Jesus did, I believe you can say, for certain, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. That he wasn't some superhuman walking around just with all this power, but he relied on the power that God had given the Holy Spirit into his life. But again, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, 
Okay, so Isaiah said it, and Jesus finds that spot. He said, this is where I'm going to read. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, he's given me this, to do a job, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus left in the Spirit. He came back in the Spirit. Jesus ministered in the Spirit. He says through all of this, and we we read the rest of this a couple of weeks ago, that he gets done and he says, this has been fulfilled today. You're hearing. You know that thing you read about in your scriptures all your life? You have just witnessed it happening today. That God has sent the anointed one to make things right. And that's exactly what Jesus planned to do. And I know sometimes when we think about Jesus' life, we uh, may think of it in a way that, man, I just can't live that way. Because we know ourselves, don't we? We know our, our temptations. We know the ways that, man, it's going good this week and something happened. Satan got me at just the right time, at the opportune time. And so I think we look at, at Jesus' life and think, man, that's great for him, but I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I just, man, I don't know if I can do that. An interesting verse is uh, what you have on your bulletin this week. At the very top, Jesus says this in Luke 11. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If we've got a father in here that will fit that mold, we need to have a talk. I'd like a fish, Daddy. Uh, Have a snake. Now, using some, you know, some, some humor here, really. How many of you would actually do this way? You're not that evil, right? Or if he asked for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Even worse, I think. If you then, though you are evil, though you're not perfect in all of this, you don't do everything right, we don't show the kind of love we should all the time. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the what? Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I think our issue a lot of the times is not that the Spirit is not there, but we are not asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. That we are set out on our own ambition, that we are worried about ourselves or our abilities or lack thereof, and we either completely forget or reject that God has offered his Holy Spirit to each and every one of us to show the, the kind of love and compassion that we want to show. How many of you, we pray for this all the time, but how many of you have had a family crisis of some sort? You've lost someone, something's happened, and at some point in that, you experienced a peace that you could not explain. Just nod your head. Yeah. We pray for that, don't we? We pray for people to receive peace when all of a sudden this freak accident takes a life. When something happens, someone gets a, uh, a diagnosis they don't want, and we pray for it, and often we get it. Uh, I've shared uh, the story before in the past, but Katie and I wanted to adopt a little girl that uh, was, was in her extended family, and um, on her first birthday, uh, she went to the, the doctor, and they said she's great health. She was behind on her shots, so she got several that day. 
I went home, had a little birthday party with a big old cupcake and a candle, and, and she passed away in her sleep that night. And we had been able to babysit her. That was before Evan came along. And uh, they didn't give her enough exercise, so she was just a little bitty chunky monkey. And I would beatbox. Not well, and I'm not going to do that today. But she would dance on rhythm of all things. I mean, we could learn something from her. Uh, but we lost her, and it was crushing. But I'll tell you, in those moments of testing, in those moments of everything's not going right, I think we experience the greatest graces from God, the blessing, the peace that we didn't think was even possible the day before. I have never cried like I cried for that little girl. Nobody should ever have to hold a, a casket that small. But in that moment, I think God cries with us. God experiences that, that he sent his son to experience the world just like we did. That Jesus lost friends, and he even lost his own life for his allegiance to God. And because of that, we have seen how we can do the same, that God's got us, that he will take care of us. He will even give you an extra measure, I believe, of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus is saying. We understand Acts 2.38, that you repent and be baptized, every one of you, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that manifested in the New Testament as uh, spiritual gifts. Sometimes I think uh, uh, it wasn't the same. People looked around and said, well, I can't do what they're doing. But God still walks side by side with us as we go. And so I pray we're a church that leans not only on our own understanding, on our own courage, on our own abilities, but we lean on what God can do with us. Because I think if we do that, no one's going to stop us and the sky's the limit. I want to encourage you, if you haven't begun that walk with Jesus, that you can do that today. You can put on Christ in baptism. Uh, if you've strayed from the path and would love the, uh, to pray with the church, have the church pray with you, uh, we'd love to do that as well. Jacob's got an invitation song picked out. Uh, would you come as we stand and as we sing?